When it comes to whether someone is a Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, New Age, Democrat, Republican, conservative, or liberal, the Apostle Paul says, so what? Why should that make any difference to you? We have allowed this sense of difference and distinction to divide us for too long now, and it is time for people to say, enough already. Challenging the status quo, however, will change nothing. It will only further divide. There is a solution and a healing medicine for our condition, and it is available for each and every one of us to use. You've probably heard this all your life, but birds of a feather flock together. You're probably told in your youth that if you lie down with dogs, you're going to get up with fleas. Or maybe it was something like, choose your friends wisely. As a result, now this is especially for those like me who grew up in the Deep South, we were able to proclaim our righteousness with a limerick that uh, shouted how righteous we were. I don't smoke and I don't chew, I don't cuss, and I don't run with those that do. And so that's how we knew we were right with God. We were taught to make distinctions based on behavior. Some kids were taught to make distinctions based on socioeconomic class. We knew about those who lived on the wrong side of the tracks. We knew about the poor side of town. And we knew about the rich side of town. What we didn't know at that time, though, was that many poor people would sacrifice so much to live on the right side of town. But they never were able to rise above their poverty. They just had a nicer address. And it was a shell. Distinctions. We made distinctions. And we tried to have friends based on those distinctions. Did you ever have the term the in crowd? The different cliques? Those things? Well, religion also played a major part in those distinctions back through the 50s and 60s anyway. My mother was a Catholic, but her extended family were all hard-shell Baptists. So a family reunion saw me as a kid, three Catholics among 50 hard-shell Baptists. And that was back when Baptists believed all Catholics were going to hell. I look back at all that now and wonder how the Bible-believing, Bible-thumping Baptists of those days, how they never understood the reality of the gospel as we read this morning, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Now I know that nothing is mentioned there about Catholics and Baptists, Methodists and Presbyterians, but he says there's no distinction. God is not the God of the Jews only. Now there's three things in this verse that we need to see. I've got them highlighted. There is no distinction. He is Lord of all, and his riches are for all who call on him. He's not the God of the Jews only. He's not the God of Christians only. 
He is the God of whole of the whole creation, regardless of people's awareness. The distinction Paul was addressing here is the same distinction that we might make between sinner and saint. The Jews had the correct religion. Gentiles, or the Greeks, had what was considered to be a false religion. And Paul says, so what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter when it comes to the things of God because there is no distinction. Now we also find this thought in other places in Paul's writings in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 11. He says here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This verse covers most all the bases of distinction that we like to hide behind to make ourselves better than the others. He begins with the Greek and Jew, which we just looked at previously. But then the list covers culture, nationality, civility, and religious rituals. In Christ, he says, those distinctions are no longer valid or useful. Christ is in all. That means that Christ is in that 40-year-old whom we think is not quite mature yet. It means that Christ is in that one who has no manners at all and shows his lack of training, especially in social contexts. But Christ is in that one. Christ is in the one whom we don't think is living rightly. But we don't tend to see that, do we? We look for certain outward characteristics so that we can know if this one is truly a Christian, which is by our standard. Think back to that limerick I gave a moment ago and then consider this verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16, Paul writes, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He says here that we don't use our normal ways of making distinctions as we view people. We don't judge them by our human categories. And that's what all that is. A few decades past, we would ask people, which church do you go to? And we ask that question because we want to know which box to put them in. Okay? Put them in the right box. The church one attended back then revealed what they believed, and it was necessary to know which heresy they subscribed to so that we'd know how to deal with them. Notice, though, that the verse uses the word regard, which is different than judging. Regarding is similar to judging, but the distinction is important to the case that Paul is making. Regarding is the first step towards judging, how we regard someone. And if we can change the first step, then we will eliminate the second step, which is judging. 
In other words, I don't regard someone as a Methodist and therefore end up judging them because they believe that, uh, what do they do? They believe you can lose your salvation. I don't know, maybe. I just pulled one out of the air. For some reason, my mind went to the um, drought. I don't know if you heard it or not, but Baptists are now sprinkling, Methodists are using wipes, Presbyterians are giving rain checks, and the Catholics are hoping that it'll turn the wine back into water. I don't know where that came from. But this is why Paul continues with the thought that I've presented more than once for your consideration in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. When he writes in verse 16 about regarding the flesh, he is referring to the outward characteristics by which we make our distinctions. He says that we knew Christ formerly in that way. We knew him as a human in male form with all the attributes of a human being. But that has changed. Because Christ has changed, we now change the way that we view him and others. Because he's no longer in human form. And from that, Paul draws the conclusion that being in Christ also brings changes. The old way of looking and seeing is gone. A new way is now open to us. A good illustration of how we make distinctions was given to me this week. A, a friend wrote and said, people like to say that I'm a white man who married a black woman. And he said, no, I am a man who fell in love with a woman and married her. Stop with the distinctions. Most of the distinctions we try to hang on to are for the purpose of building fences. We want to keep us in and them out. We don't admit it, but that's what happens. But for the past three or four years now, the Lord has been showing me about the us versus them mentality. Whether it's in politics, faith, social, social, socialization, whatever. And us and them has become very distasteful for me. It's become difficult for me to even tolerate being around the conversations. And making those distinctions is something I used to be very good at. I had my sword of division. I knew how to use it. But the three-year ministry of Jesus shows that he also did not like the distinctions which separate us one from another. Recall the story of the woman at the well from John chapter 4. He was talking to the woman and the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. 
The Jews considered the Samaritans to be a little worse than a half-breed. Now, as a rule, we no longer have a problem with mixed nationalities, but there was a time in our past, our historical past, where uh, the term half-breed was a major racial slur. From our movies and history, we know that it began in the West as well, with people marrying someone from the Indian tribes. What kind of distinction do you still make? Is it about race? A distinction about people of a different color? Do you make a distinction about education? Maybe about street people versus those with a college degree. Do you make distinctions about class in our classless society? About those who have money and those who don't? Do you make distinctions about sex, about those who do it the right way and those who don't? Do you make distinctions about faith, about those who believe and those who don't? Or is it about religion, about those who see it your way versus those who don't? Whatever distinction we make, it is inappropriate. It's the only way to put it. God does not make those distinctions. In Galatians chapter 3 and verse 28, we read, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> now, I hope there's no one here that's going to misinterpret this, because we know that there are still males and females. Thank God for that. Okay, We know that. There are still Jews and Greeks. The point that Paul is making is that those things which we use to divide us are done away with in Christ. For the Jews, the major point of division in their mind was that they were the only ones who had the law and therefore were the only ones who could be called God's people. Jesus destroyed that wall of division. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Now the both of which Paul speaks is the Jews and everyone else who is not a Jew. Two classes, Jews and non-Jews. He says the same thing another way in Romans Chapter 3 and verse 29. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. He's not asking whether they've been converted or not. He's just making this distinction that was trying to be carried on in the church. And he's saying, we don't do that. Stop it. Gentiles includes absolutely anyone and everyone who is not born a Jew. He is the God of both Jew and Gentile. He is the God of the human race. Oriental, Occidental, Asian, 
black, Hispanic, Caribbean, Polynesian, Indian, and white. And while it may be true that not everyone recognizes that yet, it is still true that we are to see them as the people of God, not outsiders. What I mean is that when we look at others, if we can begin to view them as the people of God, not someone who's outside, but bringing them in. Because we know that people rise to the level of what is expected of them, how they are viewed. This is, these experiments have done over and over again in education and other realms, but how a teacher believes about her class of students is going to affect the way that she teaches them. When a teacher is told that her class is nothing but a bunch of losers, she treats them that way. And when she's told that they're nothing but high achievers, she treats them that way. And they've done it to mix it up. They've put the losers in the class called high achievers and the kids rise. They put the high achievers in the class of where the teachers told their losers and they begin to fall down. People rise to the level of what's expected of them. You can raise the level of expectation for those around you. We also know that what we focus on is generally what we get. That's what we see, whatever you focus on. If you're a negative type person, it's amazing how many negative things come your way in a day's time? If we all, each and every one of us, could begin to see everyone through the eyes of love, I believe that we would begin to see magnificent changes in the world around us. The division based on distinctions has hindered the church for far too long, apparently, according to Paul, since its inception. The division based on differences has polarized our nation within our own borders. I looked up something this morning just on a whim. I can remember back in 2019, the faith leaders called for a special day of prayer for President Trump while he was under heavy attack. So I checked to see. The faith leaders have called for a day of prayer for President Biden just before the inauguration. We don't like the man. We don't like his politics. We don't like what he does. And so we sit and grouse about it and we haven't taken it to the Lord in prayer. We've not prayed for our president because we don't like him. I wonder, is that hypocritical? The differences being forced upon us each and every day through the media, through news, entertainment, and social media are rapidly increasing our sense of division among us. It's not a good thing. And our love for others 
is hindered as long as we continue to focus on or emphasize in any way our differences. If the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to mention this idea of our being one in Christ, listen, this idea of being one in Christ, he mentioned in his letters to the Romans, the Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, and the Colossians. Don't you think it might be an important concept to consider? We are not to deny that these differences exist. They do. But the Lord is calling us to a higher place where those divisions, those distinctions are not a point of division. He's calling us to a place where these differences no longer affect our ability to love the other. Our differences, our distinctions, our separation, our sin, all needed healing. So Jesus came into this world to begin the healing process. As we read in John chapter 3 and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world. And the world into which Jesus came was not very lovable at the time. Heavy taxation, slavery, prostitution, poverty. All the things that we experience in our life, Jesus came into because God loved the world in that condition. And the world you enter each day is not very lovable if you look at its disease-ridden condition. But if there's going to be a healing taking place, it is now up to us. And that healing will only come through love. So I ask you, who is it in your circle of acquaintances that needs to be healed? Who is it that needs your love? Your expression of love may very well be the medicine that they need to be healed. Remember, love covers a multitude of sins. Love is a covering that we can offer to everyone else in our world. May the Lord make these words real to our heart and come forth in our life. Amen.